you describe a vibe. The Google Dictionary definition suggests it's the mood of a place or situation and how it makes one feel. What is the vibe of your safety culture? Welcome to this week's podcast. And today my co-host has a much deeper voice than Nula. Welcome, Andrew Burton. Hello. Hello. So I'm very excited, actually, to have you here with us. I think it's brilliant. Okay, that's good. You are the first of what I'm calling our Friends of the Safety Collaborators podcast guest host. Well, well, I'm honoured. That's great. (laughs) Looking forward to the conversation. So actually, on that note, why don't you introduce yourself? So who is Andrew? Who is Andrew? Well, Andrew Burton, and I've been around in the safety, leadership and culture change market for quite a while. In fact, I was in recruitment for a long time as well and been lucky enough to be involved in culture change and leadership programs across many parts of the world, like Karen. I'm fortunate mm-hmm. enough to work in places like Africa and America and so on, and it's fascinating work being involved with lots of different people and lots of different opinions on what safety culture is about and how do you get the one that you want. I suppose what I do now, uh, like Karen, is facilitate safety-focused culture change programs and uh, create the chance to have great conversations with people to enable change in some way. It's good stuff. It's good fun a lot of the time. It is. And I think that's really key to what we do. And it's certainly key to our ethos at Safety Collaborations as well. It's it's about the power of the conversations that we have. And I think that's a really good intro into how we even met. And we actually met, it was at the end of 2019, if I recall. Yeah, that sounds about right. And we were in, introduced by a, a client to each other to help them with a project, which Correct. was very, very nice of them. It was very nice. And we're still on that project, actually, three years later. Yeah, we are. It's been a fascinating journey as well, because it was a journey from, um, I need to get my language right here, Karen, journey from in, in the room to virtual. Um, exactly. Through, can't remember what it was now. Was it COVID or something like that? Uh, some global pandemic yeah, jigger. So we started with a program we'd been working together since, well, you were on that project earlier than me, but I joined in the November of 2019 and we were designing a global safety leadership program where we were going to have the pleasure of flying around the world in the good old days of uh, delivering that. We delivered the first four. You did two in America and we did the two here in Aberdeen together. And then, of course, there was that pandemic-y thing. Uh, So we had to pivot and we pivoted to, (laughs) I'm going to ask you a question about this in a minute. We pivoted to what I call in-person virtual because I got involved with a tool called Housespace in how we deliver events and programs around the world at that time. I realized, hey, maybe we can do something with this for this global program. Now, back then it was cohort four when this happened. So I then had to, of course, introduce you <laughs> to this concept of... I know it's coming now. <laughs> exactly. So your impression, first thoughts around this whole virtual thing? I'll be completely frank. I don't think I believed it was possible to take a two-day in-person workshop with a lot of interaction and group conversation and so on and so forth and move that into a platform online. But I was wrong <laughs> big <laughs> time. I think the the experience of 
and the challenge of moving that has actually opened up opportunities that we, we didn't have in the room to have conversations in different ways with, with people. Um, I don't think you realize quite that when you're in the room, yeah, you facilitate a group and you, you have great conversations and people feel engaged. But a lot of the time, that's just with those that are willing to speak up. Mm. I think what we've discovered, what I've discovered, um, big, big important thing is the quieter people in the room have a lot to say. And the house space has given them that opportunity to speak up. Um, in the written word, some people put up pictures and all sorts of ways in which they interact. Um, so I think it's added a dimension that wasn't there. Not least of all, the dimension that is is global. We probably couldn't do what we're doing with these people now by traveling the world. It just wouldn't have been possible. So it, it um, yeah, it's great. It's really, really good. It's not so good at three o'clock in the morning when no. you're struggling to deliver <laughs> to Australia and your head's got a bit thick. But absolutely, we get through that. We get through that. It's a different kind of jet lag. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. For you that listening, we are actually now about to launch cohort 20. Yep. Kicking off cohort 20. So even though we've gone back to being able to run things in person, it actually makes no sense for the client. And what's happened, I think, with the program, and as you said, it's much more immersive and it allows us to have a longer conversation with everybody. So what was just two days in the room, you know, happy days, see you later, has turned into they do some pre-work, we have a whole day together, they do some coaching, we have another day together, and then we have some more group sessions and more coaching together. So it's turned into a much more immersive event, actually, and and it's still incredibly cost-effective for the client. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And funnily enough, it, it's one of those immersive experiences that I think has prompted this conversation today because um, I don't think we would have ended up in the conversation we had around culture and vibe quite in the same space had we been in a room. We probably would have taken the first thing that was written up on the flip chart. That tends to be where you end up, but we went a lot deeper with this conversation a couple of weeks ago with a particular group. With the last group. Yeah. What we're going to talk about is a little bit more about that culture vibe and how that question even started. Yeah. One of the things that I have to say at this point is, I'm going to say this publicly, I love working with you. Oh, that's very kind. <laughs> You're a fabulous co-facilitator. You know, nothing's ever an issue. You've gone on this journey with us. You know, we've gone on it together. And it certainly looked different to what we thought it was going to be, but it's ended up being more, much more, in fact. But one of the things that I really, really enjoy about us is your incredible music knowledge and your ability to bring up Bruce Springsteen at least once in every cohort and use music as a metaphor. It's brilliant. And as a result of that, my Spotify list continues to grow. Well, well, I'm glad to hear that. There's plenty of good music out there. There's plenty of good music metaphors yet to be found. I know, and I can't wait to hear them. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk a little bit about the last workshop that we've been running. We're still in the midst of it, actually, Uh, so Cohort 19. We're sort of coming to the end of that one. But on day two, we have a really big conversation around what's the goal of this thing that we call safety culture and how we behave and how do we, as leaders, because this is for leaders, what's the difference that they can make? Yeah. And we ended up having this really, you know, sometimes in some groups those conversations are not so long, but this particular one really was inspiring. 
Yeah, and I think it started with a struggle, really, didn't it? Because mm. it was that struggle to come up with something that grabbed their attention or, or enthused them uh, about what we were trying to get at. And without going too extreme, I think they felt a bit bored with the language they were creating because it was the same old, same old. We were, you know, goals like you know, zero incident, which, okay, great. Mm. Everyone gets home safe. That type of thing wasn't really enthusing or energizing the, the people in, in the room, as it were, um, to go, yeah, that's what it's really all about. And, and I think we felt that. Mm. And so kept pushing to the extent that it felt for a little while in the middle of the conversation a little bit negative. You know, why are we doing this? It's all a bit pointless. We all know that it's about not hurting people. Mm. But there just seemed something missing. And I think that allowed it or gave us permission to allow it to keep going for a while in silence on a couple of occasions. You know, one of the skills as facilitators of these conversations is to not add to the conversation, but rather to give the silence for it to grow and develop. And we really saw that in this conversation. It really did. And we ended up with, so part of the software, if you like, that we're using or this digital platform is that allows people to continue typing their thoughts, even in silence. So we may not be hearing a voice, but we're all reading it at the same time because people are still adding to those lists. Then they'll say something, then they might add a bit more. And then somebody that's not said anything has put something really poignant in the list, as you said earlier, you know, because it gives those people that often don't want to be speaking so much, but they have a lot to say. And it just kept growing and growing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, in fact, I've got the list open in, in front of me oh, now. Oh, cool. Read some of it. You scroll on and on and on through it. And I was just looking down to see where the turning point for, for the conversation was. Mm. And I think it was as a result of a reflection about sort of current culture, a very task-focused, let's just simply get the job done culture. And I think at that point, people thought, well, actually, yes, we need to get the job done, but that's not just what this is all about. It's not just simply about serving the client's needs and, and, and getting the work out the door or finishing a project in the field or whatever. Mm. has to be more to it than that. Mm. And I think that's where there was a degree of frustration start to kick in. And I think we questioned the sort of negativity a little bit of the language that was being we did. Yeah. expressed at that point. It's very direct language about the nature of culture uh, in, in the organisation um, in certain parts of it anyway. Mm. And I think we just kept asking questions at that point and, 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 and the list became longer and longer and longer um, on the screen and more and more people started to join in and, and try and come up with what's the culture? What do we want it to be like? What really is the goal? You know, I, I think this is highlighting just how hard this actually is to do. And, you know, there's, there seems to be less of, well, you know, this is what we say our culture is and that's what we should just do it. But how often does organisations within organisations or within teams actually, forget about the whole organisation, just within a, your own team, how often do you really give it the time that that conversation really needs to go that bit deeper and not be at that surface level where everybody goes, yeah, yeah, same stuff, different day mm-hmm. type of response? Yeah. And those, those, you know, responses that we've been hearing for 30 years, how do we go beyond that? And that takes time. That takes questioning. That takes a good facilitation, actually, which is a skill that leaders 
can adopt or learn. Permission as well. That, 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 yes. Listen, it's okay to say whatever's in your head here. Yeah. I think the fact that we had both people speaking and writing allowed that to happen because sometimes people find it a bit difficult to speak out loud something that they're thinking, but writing it down is, is perhaps slightly slightly different for them. I think the other thing that was was going on as well, and quite importantly, were people started to describe the outcomes they were looking for. So the outcomes were things like people aren't getting hurt, the quality of the work is as good as it can be, mm. you know, that type of thing. But that still didn't help them describe what the culture should then be like. It's not probably right to say, well, our culture is we do things right. And that's an outcome of what our culture is like. So what is it? What do we need to be like then in order for people to create those positive outcomes? Mm. Um, and so the, the, the conversation pivoted at that point to a different route. Uh, and I think the interesting thing for me, and you do it as well, Karen, the change came from a story from an individual in the room. So instead of making a statement about something, he started to talk about an experience and tell a story of a company he used to work for and how they described oh, yeah, and right. how they interacted and so on. Hmm. And it was really nice because there is that tendency for people to simply state something. Yeah. The storytelling yeah. that the guy engaged with brought his experience to life. So that when he hit on the description, People were listening quite intently to what he was saying. And for us, given that a lot of the, the program is, is based around stories, and you and I do it all the time, we're always looking for the opportunity to tell a story that allows people to see things differently or, or feel things differently from the norm. It was great to see somebody in the room do that to make this point. Absolutely. And he ended up saying, yeah, and we used to call that the vibe. The vibe, yeah. The vibe. Yeah. I think we're all sort of like, well, that's really good. That's really, really good. We didn't know quite what it meant. <laughs> no, but when it came out and this little tiny word, all of a sudden everybody just sort of sat back a little bit and it landed. Mm -hmm. I think you could visually see it landing. Yeah, right? yeah. So anyone exactly. who thinks you can't see things through Zoom, <laughs> yes, you can. You can definitely feel the energy in the room, virtual or otherwise. And the room did go actually a little bit quiet for mm -hmm. seconds, moments, whatever it was. And then everybody started to talk about it, the vibe mm -hmm. and what that means. And how does that impact clients? And are their clients looking for the vibe and overall attitude with some words and the motivation of people was another word. So then they started to use this far more active, what's the right word? Well, you, you use it quite a lot, emotional. Exactly. It became much more powerful yeah. for, for that reason. It, it sounds like we're maybe overselling this and, and no, we're not. It, it was no, we're not. a dramatic moment. And for me, it, it related back to something that, that you and I talk about again a lot is that when you walk into an office or an installation or somebody's premises or start interacting with a team, you pick up on what the culture is quite quickly. Mm. You get the vibe really, mm. really quickly. Mm. And that's what the, this guy was saying in his story about a previous company that, you know, you got it. As soon as you walked into the team, into the office, you got what the vibe was. One of the responses from one of the participants was, and he kind of leads projects and things, for him the vibe was important because the client 
will see that vibe, will feel yeah. that vibe. They want to know how you manage your teams, how your people feel about your business, and that's all part of that vibe. So it helps with the sales process, it helps with the safety process, it helps with the conversations that need to be had. Something you said earlier was around permission. And if we think about what underpins a good organisational safety culture is psychological safety. And the two elements of that are permission and respect. And the more permission and respect that we can give, the higher your psychological safety is. And it means that we can give how much are we opening the floor to people being able to learn, to share, to contribute, and then to even challenge the system, Mm -hmm. in fact. So that's all part of that vibe of the culture, in a way. If people come into your organisation and they get a sense that, oh, we better not speak up here or we better not make a comment about that, and that can be your client as well, and it isn't just people who work there, then what's not happening? You know, what are the conversations that aren't being had? So, so much of this is about what are the conversations that you need to have to be able to open up that vibe or to crack open the vibe of your organisational culture? Because it's not just safety, it's actually organisational. I, I know you were using the language psychological safety there, but mm. I, I find it interesting when you you said at the beginning of that, that the clients feel that. Mm. So there we are, back to that, that emotional experience mm. of something we're trying to describe maybe it's difficult to put it into words but you just know this place is okay Mm. this place is good I get that feeling about it okay and it doesn't really matter too much what the statistics say or anything like that that becomes the the real drive for the culture for the experience that clients and workers and so on have and and possibly for the sustainability of all of that as well Uh so the statistics okay that's good we've read that we've moved on Mm -hmm. let's move forward but it is that feeling and our pal Simon Sinek's coming to mind here because people buy from people. Mm -hmm. People buy when they feel what it is that they want. And whether that's buying something from your organisation or whether it's buying into the safety culture of your organisation, people need to feel it, not just be told. Well, I suppose that links with Sinek talking about purpose and your reason why and so on and so forth. Mm. And, And that's what people were struggling with in the conversation. They were describing their purpose or their goal or the reason why in terms of really dry language mm. that didn't give them that, that motivation or an excitement to actually want to strive for it necessarily. But as soon as we started talking about, well, what does vibe mean? What, what's in that? It brought to life the feelings that they actually wanted to create somehow. And maybe we didn't pin down brilliant language after that about what vibe means, but we all kind of understood it, which was was really key as well. And, and forgive the, the musical metaphor yet again. Ah, I knew it was coming. <laughs> I was just going to say that, you know, in terms of it, a team, you know, being in tune with each other is is, yes. is really kind of important. And, yep. and that word allowed this group to be in tune with each other suddenly. They didn't necessarily understand the language of, or, or necessarily the technology of the tune or anything like that. They understood each other suddenly. It made sense to them. And you just talked about being in tune with the client mm-hmm. and therefore being in tune with how we do things around here, which probably means the outcomes that they were looking for start to happen. When you hear a good tune, you feel better. Absolutely. This simple four-letter word that we've all used at some point or other, maybe flippantly, suddenly became really, really important in describing safety culture. It didn't seem to be initially a fit, but it fitted incredibly well. It did. And I think the other thing it did was it gave it a new flavour. Yeah. It was a different flavour to what we normally hear. 
I think what's going to be really interesting with this particular group, because we're about to go into a bit more small group work, some action planning, that type of thing. So we're now going to be doing that over the next two, three months with everybody. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how they've been inspired by their own conversation, that particular conversation, and how that might inspire them to then talk about what they'd like to do to bring the vibe into the organisation or to grow the vibe, I should say, because it it already has one. But is it the one that we want? How do we just take it from good to great? I think your your use of the word flavour is a really good one because there are a lot of things that have been covered time and time and time again. When it comes to safety and you and you hear them, you hear them back. You know, you and I have been doing this for a few years mm-hmm. and you hear them back. You think, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's that's the correct words. We've heard those before, mm-hmm. but we need a different flavor. And, and so for me, it's back to songs again. I'm sorry. But more often than not, people's favorite songs are a cover of the original. True. Songs like um, Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. Nobody listens to Leonard Cohen's version of that. I do. <laughs> but, but it was the covers that made it famous. It was in Shrek, yeah. wasn't it? Something stupid like that. It was the covers that made it famous and, and brought it to life. Yeah. For, for yeah. So vibe is being used in, in a different way. Suddenly it brings to life for folk what we're talking about. The other thing we spoke of at that time, and whether this released the story or not, I don't know, is we were saying that when you facilitate a group, you tend to find yourself either talking about strategy or vision, mm-hmm. or you're getting into the kind of nitty gritty, what are we going to do next? Mm-hmm. And that sort of separates people a little bit, you know, the visionaries and then the, the doers and, and so on. But often you find yourself as a facilitator having to come up with a, a story or an analogy or a metaphor that gets people to see what you're trying to get them to talk about from a different perspective. And, and that's what happened here. They, they suddenly saw from a different perspective what we were trying to talk about, and that allowed them freedom to think about it differently, talk about it differently, and gave them permission to say, do you know, that's okay to use that language, to be emotive about this and to talk about how it makes us feel rather than what we've got to do. And that was a change that happened in here as well. I'm thinking about if we were to summarise this conversation in a sentence, what would we say? Some key words I think come out of this is, you know, provide space for people to think, Mm -hmm. provide a platform for people to continuously contribute in their different learning styles, provide permission with respect to the various opinions and thoughts and ideas. There's something about letting it run as well, giving it Yeah, yeah to stew, stew. Like the flavours come I out. I do, the flavours, you know. Exactly. How do we stew it? So you can do metaphors for music, we'll go with the food. <laughs> so I think the lesson for people out of this is to definitely give these conversations the time that they need, even within your own team. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even have to be at organisational level, but even at teams, and then bring the different teams' thoughts together. Something else as well that I just realised from what you yep. were saying. To add to that list, yeah. my recollection is the, the chap who told the story was wearing a boiler suit and a high-vis jacket. So he was not from the corporate leadership team. No, he was at the front line. He was at the front line. Yeah. And so maybe he was brave enough to speak out. In, okay, he was a leader, but maybe he was brave enough to speak out in a group where he wouldn't normally. So from the kind of corporate senior leadership perspective, maybe it's about giving those guys space to say something in their own way sometimes and 
a lot can happen then. Certainly can. And in a lot of the research and things, I'm putting a paper together at the moment around psychological safety and psych health and safety and those types of subjects. So psychological safety cookbook. Yeah, maybe that's what we'll call it. There's so much knowledge in the workforce that that doesn't get tapped into. And this is giving the the company, actually, that we're working for, that opportunity to tap into that wisdom that is all around within an organisation. It doesn't have to be just from one group within the organisation to come up with the goal. Another thing as well, from my experience and therefore my change of Mm. opinion on the technology we're using, that all that material is there and captured and visible and available for posterity. It doesn't disappear with the flip charts at the end of the day. Or the individual's workbook that never gets filled in. Yeah, exactly. Because in many ways what that technology platform is, is the workbook for the program. So it's very co-creative between the participants and us on the outcomes. And every cohort content, there's of course similarities because we're asking similar questions but it is still unique to that cohort. I suppose the the hanging question, which we're yet to answer with with this particular group, Mm. but we we now will continue to ask, is if Vibe describes the culture or as a heading under which we will describe the culture, it gives everyone that opportunity. The question for them as leaders is, well, how do you contribute to that vibe what is it you have to do to create the vibe that you want and that allows all of those things to happen and that's where it's a lovely challenge for us to be able to work with with a group of people because you know that understanding of yeah i get it i get it i get it i said okay well how do you actually Mm. get it what are you going to do is the next step for this particular group um and it's a you know it's a good question i think it's a good question to leave it on because I think yeah. that's something that everybody listening can ponder that question. Go back, re- rewind a little bit if you need to hear it again. So thank you for being our first no, thank you. Friends of the Safety Collaborators co-host. And I hope that you come back because I'd like to invite you back again. Uh, yeah, I'd love to. It was good. I enjoyed that conversation. I think, I think we can do a lot with this. You know, we do a lot of work together. We're doing yep. other things as well. So let's keep it going. Mm-hmm. It'd be fantastic. Nola is uh, offshore at the moment and, uh, you know, internet does not allow us always to have that uh, dual conversation. And this adds a bit of variety, actually. So I think you'll become our third co-host. Okay. Look forward to, to doing a tripartite conversation with Nula. That will be a very fun one. We will do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thanks for the opportunity, Karen. It was good. So thank you for joining us today. Always lovely to have these conversations that matter. We'll be delighted if you share this podcast and hit the subscribe button on your preferred podcast platform. Feel free to connect with us on our website, safetycollaborations.com, where you will find the show notes and resources for this episode. You can always email us at hello at safetycollaborations.com. And as always, we are easy to find on LinkedIn. Look for Nula Gage or Karen Avari or follow our company page, The Safety Collaborators. Till next week, stay safe and stay well.